they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Wow, welcome, yes, to the Bible with the Barbers. When they said we've been married 30 years, I looked at my wife and I said, what? I thought I just married you, but you got prettier every day. <laughs> so 30 years, and we're still going strong Thanks with the God. help of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mary, we're going to be continuing to talk about the Gospel of Mark, but before we do that, we always joke about soul food on the Jesse, uh, Terry and Jesse show, but I'd like to also have some commentary on the readings for the Mass. So could you uh, please read the uh, short Gospel for today from Luke? Uh, yes, from Luke chapter 21 verses 5 through 11. Mm -hmm. And as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things which you see, the days will come when there shall not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be and what will be the sign when this is about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you do not be led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for this must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilence, and there will be terrors and great signs from the heaven. Wow. Yeah. That sounds uh, kind of, <laughs> uh, in one sense, it's a little uh, uh, ground shaking. The earthquakes, we've had that here in LA, Southern California. But, Mary, how does this apply to us today? What's the background on that? You know, the temple being knocked down in 70 AD, what, what 40 years later? Right. Jesus prophesied the end of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Mm -hmm. Christ had come to fulfill everything that God revealed in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. the, the sacrifices of the temple were going to give way to his one eternal sacrifice that he offered of himself on the cross and that he would, would be continuously perpetuated through the offering of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And so everyone was supposed to embrace this. This is Catholicism is not a repudiation of Judaism. It's the completion. It's the fulfillment of everything that God had revealed in the Old Testament. And so the temple wouldn't need to be there anymore. They weren't going to have animal sacrifices sacrifice. in the New Covenant. There would be no, because yeah. Christ is our sacrifice. Exactly. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice. So he's telling them, I mean, and, and it was, it was beautiful. I Herod, Herod the Great had spent 40 years trying to adorn the temple to make it look just exquisite. He wanted to make a name for himself. And that, you know, so it was a marvel to behold, and yet nothing of this world is eternal. Nope. Everything on this earth, every created thing is passing away. Mm -hmm. And so we're not supposed to set our hearts on the things of this world. We're supposed to set our hearts on God Amen. and on heaven and on being with God for all eternity. And so Jesus is warning his followers, this is all going to be destroyed. Jerusalem, the temple, it will no longer be. Now he And they're like, well, when, Lord, when? And, and, and in a sense, he's saying, you know what? I'm not going to satisfy your curiosity. It's not a matter of just curiosity. What you need to do is cling to me. And if you cling to me 
And each one of us has to face our own personal end. Some of those who heard him speaking in Jerusalem may have been martyred under the first persecution when Paul started persecuting the Christians. And he said, I persecuted this new way to the point of death. So some of those who heard those words may not have even been alive in 70 AD. They may have already given their life for the faith. Mm -hmm. So none of us knows the day or the hour that Christ is coming to call us or personally. Mm -hmm. So each one of us should be ready at all times. And, and the end isn't going to come you know, for the Jews, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, that's the end of the world. Boom. Because the temple was a microcosm of the world. Right. It represented the world to them. And yet they didn't die. Some of them, they had to go on. It's like, well, how do we pick up the pieces and what do we do now? You know, it's like we've lost everything. And, and the, the point was they were supposed to join the, they were supposed to join the church that Jesus founded, the Catholic church. But they didn't all do that. And so we, we keep praying. We keep praying for the conversion of the Jews. Wonderful. And Mary, this is a feast day of St. Catherine of La Bray, so I pulled my miraculous medal mm-hmm. out. You have a, a one on your neck, too. And can you share, I'm, I'm going to twist your arm about St. Catherine of La Bray and the manifestation of the miraculous medal and, and uh, you know, the story there. But one story I would love to share with our listeners, you're going to love this one about Alphonse Radisbon. So share, the, you know, what's significant about St. Catherine of, C, of uh, St. Catherine La Bray. St. Catherine Labore was a religious sister in a convent, and our Blessed Mother appeared to her. In France. In, in, yes, in a convent in France. Thank you. I Thank make you. sure you know where it is. <laughs> yeah, France. That's right. And Our Lady appeared to her, and she asked her to have a medal made. Mm-hmm. And the words, uh, it's a picture of Our Lady standing on the world. She's holding her hands outstretched. And Catherine noticed that Our Lady was wearing rings on her fingers, and lights, light was coming from each one of the rings. And some of the light didn't reach the earth. Right. And Catherine said, why doesn't the light reach? And she said, those are graces no one asks for. Wow. You know, Jesus Christ came through Mary. Yep. And so all of the grace that comes to the world comes through Mary because Christ is grace. Well said. Uncreated grace. He's God. But he's also the, the source of all grace. And, and But he uses his mother as that channel, as his instrument of distributing his graces. And that was his choice. And so Catherine was shown this vision, and she was supposed to have a metal cast, according to this picture, and then the words around it, O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. And the idea was to distribute the metal and get people to pray and ask the Lord for the graces they needed for salvation. And one of the graces, by the way, Catherine Labore said, well, what grace should they ask? And, and Our Lady said, well, ask for the grace to love God the way I loved God. Well. So we can share. It's like that. We can share in the love that God has for us. We can ask God to share his love with us. We can ask to share in the love that the saints had for mm-hmm. God, which is all, of course, God is love and all of God is the source of all of it. So Catherine had this metal cast and there were many miracles. It, it became known as the miraculous metal because, conversions. because of the miraculous conversions that were taking place. And one of these was an agnostic Jew, Alphonse yeah. Radisbon. He was from a wealthy Jewish family. Um, he was engaged to be married, and he said, well, if I'm going to have to get married, I'm probably not going to be able to do a lot of traveling. This was in the 1800s. Yep. So he decided to travel around and see um, Europe before he— He loved sacred art. He yep. loved sacred art, and he wanted to see the churches in Rome and visit them. And um, He had a business associate who was Catholic, yeah. and this business associate asked Alphonse if he would wear a miraculous medal out of friendship, as a token of friendship. And Alphonse <laughs> accepted it. And then the guy said, well, and by the way, would you say this prayer, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary? And Alphonse is like, okay, whatever, as a, as a friendship, because you're a business associate. What Alphonse didn't know is that that man offered his life to God 
wow. for the conversion of Alphonse Radisbon. Well, that man died, and so another mutual business friend was arranging the funeral, and Alphonse went with him to one of the churches in Rome. So while the, the, the man was arranging the funeral, Alphonse was walking through the church, and Alphonse had a miraculous conversion. Our Blessed Mother spoke to him, and he suddenly had infused knowledge. Explain what infused knowledge is. He knew everything, right, about the faith. He knew everything about the faith. He knew that he was in the state of original sin. He yeah. knew that he needed baptism. Wow. He knew grace. the truths of the faith without studying it. Unbelievable. It, it was a tremendous grace. That is. Tremendous grace. And so he became Catholic. It, it turns out that he also had a brother who had converted to Catholicism who was a priest, <laughs> who was probably also praying for him. I imagine. <laughs> and and so his brother had been cut off from the family because he had become Catholic. And that was typical practice of the Jews. If you became Christian, you were cut off. And then he spent the rest of his life in the Holy Land sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the Jews. Yeah, praise God. So what a story. God is so good. And that's, you know, just keep asking. Ask for those graces. Ask for to, to love God the way yeah. he loves himself. Ask God to share in his Amen. love. Ask to share in the Blessed Mother's love for God. I bet my, our listeners are glad I asked you to share that story. Share it with your friends and family, especially the kids at the dinner table. Yeah, Such absolutely. a beautiful, inspiring story. Oh, Mary, yeah. now we can go to our Bible study on Mark. I know last week we got a little bit into Mark, but now we're <laughs> going to pick up. Because I get a little distracted. It's the way I am. She knows she's been with me all these years. <laughs> but let's, uh, and, and again, if, if our goal is to help you read more of the Bible of God's word than we think that this is accomplished, then we're happy. Because when you re read the Bible, it really enhances your relationship with Jesus Christ. Exactly. If you want to know Jesus Christ, you need to read the scriptures. Amen. Ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Right. And, and the Gospels, of course, are the historical, mm -hmm. and the church accepts them as historical. Mm -hmm. So um, they're the historical picture of the real Jesus who really walked on this earth. Amen. So if you want to know Jesus, read the Gospels. Remember, remember what we said about Q? We found Q. It's Jesus Christ. It's his life. Q, it's the life of Jesus. That was the source that all of the evangelists used. That was that secret source that nobody seemed to be able to figure out. We got it. So we were talking last week just at the beginning of Mark, and we got to about Mark um, verse 29, I think. We finished up, or close to that. So mm -hmm. um, Jesus, after leaving that synagogue in the previous verse, he goes to Peter's house, and immediately, again, and immediately he left the synagogue. How many times is immediately in the Gospel of Mark? Over 40 times. Mark wow. really loved the word immediately. There's, there's that real sense urgency, of urgency. Huh? Yeah. It really is. With Mark, it's, there's this fast-paced sense of urgency. I mean, if you looked at the public life of our Lord and, and tried to uh, figure it out from yeah. the Gospel of Mark, you might think his public life was, well, maybe six months long. You know. I'm going to interrupt you because we got a break coming up. Oh, yeah. And about 40 <laughs> seconds. So you're listening to Virgin Most Powerful with the Bible with the Barbers. Again, I mentioned that this is Giving Tuesday. It's a reminder of how important it is to support Virgin Most Powerful so we can keep up with all these great programs to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus. So if you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can make a donation, or you can call us at 877-526-2151. Remember, Mary Barber's going to be at the Biblical Studies Conference in January. Go to our website, and you can register along with Jesse and myself and Matt Arnold. It's going to be a great team at the uh, Biblical Spiritual Warfare Conference at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Don't forget, Mary does also a Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. i got to plug that. And on Tuesday, on Thursdays at 1 o'clock in, in the afternoon, we'll be back more with the Gospel of Mark. I had to get all that.
This is Terry Barber inviting you to the upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference, January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can join us with that or call us at 877-526-2151. Jesse Romero will be there. Father Wolfgang will be there. And our very own Matt Arnold will be there. And I'll be the MC. Don't miss out on this wonderful event, January 11th and 12th. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry had to step out for just a minute. He's got some um, someone here to look at something in the church, so he'll be back in a little bit. But we're going to look here at Mark um, chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue, and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever, and immediately they told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she served them. It's interesting because it wasn't in, in public. Jews didn't have contact. Um, Jewish men didn't have contact with women who weren't their spouses or their sister. And so Jesus takes Simon's mother-in-law by the hand and gets her up and he heals her immediately. It's the Lord. And again, it doesn't have to say here that Jesus is declaring himself God, but he has power over nature. Well, who has power over nature? God does. It was obviously obvious to his Jewish audience that he was God. He was doing things that only God could do. 
And that's they're like, well, he can't be God. He's a man. So how could he be God? But yet he's doing what only God can do. So he's got to be at least a prophet. So they, they don't fully know his identity at this point in the gospel. But at the same time, he's doing things that point very clearly to his divinity. And the fever leaves her and she serves them. Now that evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city gathered together outside the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. They knew he was the Messiah is what that means. Well, that evening at sundown, they waited till sundown because that day was a Sabbath. He had been at the synagogue, right? They went to the, the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so he waits till the end. They, people wait till the end of the day to bring their sick because they couldn't do that during the Sabbath. So after sundown, they can. They bring them. And he, hears, he heals all these people of all these various diseases, and he casts out demons. And again, he's healing people of diseases. He's showing his divinity. He casts out demons by his own authority. He's showing his divinity. We're not told exactly how many demons he casts out, but he's casting demons out. And the demons want to speak. Oh, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the anointed one. The, the demons don't fully recognize that he's God incarnate. I don't, the demons don't have that insight. But they do have a spiritual knowledge, and they know that obviously God is working through this manhood. So they're perplexed too, but at the same time, they do know that he's the Messiah. And again, Jesus, in Mark, you have this very strong messianic secret because Jesus wants people to understand <laughs> that his messiahship is not a political messiahship. He didn't come to free everyone from the whatever political power was at hand. That's not what he's about. He came to free us from sin, from the power of Satan, which, by the way, is represented by the diseases and, and of course, especially by demonic possession. Those people are. They're possessed. They're, they're under Satan's dominion. So he's freeing people. For the Jews, if a person was sick, it meant that they had sinned. Remember, even in the book of Job, back in the Old Testament, it's like, well, you, know, you wouldn't be suffering all this, Job, if you hadn't sinned. So just admit that you sinned. And Job's like, no, I didn't sin. I haven't done anything consciously that I know of to deliberately offend God. I've never chosen to offend him. I don't want to offend him. And Job, Job is not a Jew. He's, this is before Abraham. But nonetheless, there was this, this mentality, and the Jews had this mentality very strong. Remember the blind man in the Gospel of John. Well, who sinned? His parents or himself? And Jesus said, neither. <laughs> it's not about sin. And yet, but that's how they saw it. So to heal someone who was sick was to forgive sin. So that's what he's doing. Now, and in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went off to a lonely place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him followed him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And again, he's casting out demons and he's preaching, but he's not going to stay in one place. He's moving from place to place. He came to spread the good news of the Father's love that has come, become incarnate throughout the whole region of the Jews to bring the Jews back to the Father and back to the fullness of the truth. And so he's going to move on. 
of course, the apostles are still getting caught up in this. Well, but I mean, the people are all looking for you. Shouldn't we go back there and, you know, make a big, a big hoopla about this? And, and no, no, that's not what it's about. That's not what we're doing. We're going to move on now. It's time to move on. But Jesus had got up early in the morning to pray, to pray. And, and this is throughout the Gospels, you have this Jesus withdrawing by himself to pray or even taking his apostles aside to pray after some big event. We need to spend that time in union with God if we're going to do God's work. So that's a, a really good scripture verse for perpetual adoration and just adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, taking time to pray before our Eucharistic King. Absolutely. And Mary, I know this is not off, but I just want to encourage our listeners yeah. in this time of confusion. Absolutely. Pray before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. If you're near a Catholic church, do that because the graces are there. The, our Lord is there. This is this is God among us. I mean, if somebody told you, Jesus is down on the corner of, <laughs> of Workman and Citrus, would you run down there and, and, and go see him? And it's like, yeah. Well, I, you know what? Jesus is on Workman at the Sacred Heart Church. He's here, you know, at the corner of Fifth and Center. Yeah. And, and in every Catholic church where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved, God is among us. He remains Emmanuel, God with us. And miracles do happen. So many stories, miraculous stories, in cities and towns where perpetual adoration has been started and crime has been reduced. Tell us the story on society, but about Mexico when Pope John Paul II visited Mexico the first time. Do you remember that story? Or? Well, when yeah, when St. John Paul II was in Mexico for three days, there were no deaths in Mexico City for the what? three days that he was there. No one died. Yeah. And the police said this doesn't happen because we had a lot of corruption and an evil. Well, and it's just, it's I a mean, big city, millions a big city of millions million of people. people. People die every day from all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But the three days he was there, and the other one is Juarez, Mexico, where there was so much crime, they had over 3,000 murders every year yeah, within the state of Juarez. And the priests got together and said, we need to do something. So they started perpetual adoration. And within a year, they had reduced the number of murders in Juarez, Mexico, from over 3,000 to under 400. That's why I want to encourage our listeners. You and I will be there Thursday night here at the Sacred Heart Chapel for holy hours from 7 p.m. to 9, praying for priests. That's right. And when I say this is because people are can be demoralized with the crisis in the church right now. They can say, oh, woe is me. I mentioned that <laughs> earlier on the show. No, come visit Jesus. Yes. Reparation. Yes. Reparation. We need to, uh, you know, right. Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's willing to pray and sacrifice for them. But you see how the word of God instilled in us the teachings of go out and pray. Get yes. up early and pray. Get up early and pray. Take the time. Make the time. You do have the time. You just need to put aside some of the other worldly things that you're doing. And all of us have the time. And granted, lots of things crowd us out. We're living in a world where we are constantly stimulated oh, and yeah. it overstimulated. I agree. We need to take time aside and spend quiet time with our Lord. And, you know, granted, there may be some people who have small children and there really is almost an impossibility. Or if the children are sick or you're taking care of someone who's, who's sick. Remember, when you're taking care of your children, you're taking care of little Jesus. When you're taking care of the sick, you're taking care of Jesus and the sick. So if you can't get out of your home to make a holy hour, if you're homebound, you can make a holy hour with Jesus crucified in the person that you're serving or even those who are suffering in their own homes. 
as that you can offer your sufferings in union with Jesus and you are making a holy hour. That is so powerful for mom right now who has four or five little ones right. saying, I'm, I feel overwhelmed. Just, they, that's yeah. a powerful. That's why whenever I see a woman with a little baby in the <laughs> stroller, I'm always saying, Mama, you're changing the world one diaper at a time because you're serving Jesus through Amen. your family. Amen. And, you know, sometimes I think we forget that, that we think we have to be at that pro-life meeting or we have to do this. We have to do that yeah. when really duty calls us to serve our family. Yeah, our family first. We need to serve our family and pray for them and pray with them. Yes. And teach the little children, you know, tell the little children about the hidden Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Tell them about their guarding angel. When you can't go visit Jesus, you can ask your guarding angel to go greet Jesus in the Blessed yeah. Sacrament for you. Yeah. You know, but when you can do and I, you know, when you're out shopping or something, drive by the church, stop in for 5 minutes. Stop in and pray a decade of the rosary or stop in and make a stations or just stop in and say Jesus, I know you're here and I love you and I just I want to tell you how much I love you and thank you for being here. Is it a fair statement that when we read the Bible, like we're doing with the Gospel of Mark, how so many other areas of our life just seem to be like light bulbs are turning on yes. on the Word of God? That's right, because it, God speaks to us. Exactly. And yeah. so it makes sense to me that if this is his love letter, we keep saying that when we open it, you know, even 15 minutes a day of just scripture reading absolutely. is going to really change your life. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, the word of God is living and effective and the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to us through the words of the scripture. Mm -hmm. These are God's words. These are the words that he inspired men to write. And what's written there is what he intended and nothing more. And so God is speaking to us. Beautiful. And absolutely, because he's touching our hearts. He's trying to show us how to live in union with himself, how to to be more in union with him each moment of every day. Yep. Don't forget tonight at 7 p.m., Mary Danielle will have her Bible study at 381 West Center Street. Also on Thursdays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for those who don't want to go out at night. Also, I just want to mention the event that's taking place Friday and Saturday here on November 30th and December 1st, the Deep Heart of God. It's a healing conference with John Paul II, HealingCenter.org is their website. Even at this time, you can still join us by just showing up. Check-in is at on Friday at 5.30 in the afternoon. You're welcome to come. I think you're going to find a lot of healing for anyone who's looking for healing. These people are experts. They go all over the country. Mary, why don't you say a little few words because you've experienced this organization firsthand. I did, and the thing that I love about this organization is they know who is our healer. Amen. It's Jesus, and they encourage you to spend time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. While they're praying and, and giving you these instructions on how to seek healing, they have people praying before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and they encourage you to pray before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And there's one woman on the team who that's what all her healing took place in her Eucharistic Holy Hours. That's powerful. That's happening December, excuse me, November 30th, December 1st at the Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street. Yeah, that's this Friday. We'd love to have you come. Just show up on Friday afternoon around 5.30 and you can register there. Or you can still go online to jp2healingcenter.org. When we come back, we're going to delve more into the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel of the four right. in the sense of words. Right. But um, a lot of urgency in his writings. A lot of urgency. And uh, so when we come back, we'll, we'll get more into that. Also, don't forget the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up on the 9th and 10th of 
of January, and that's where Danielle Barber, Terry Barber, Matthew Arnold, Jesse Romero will be at. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and you can sign up there or call us at 877-526-215. When we come back, more with a wonderful gospel of St. Mark with Mary Danielle and Terry Barber. We'll be back with more after this quick break. Matthew Arnold here, encouraging you to go to vmpr.org to register for our upcoming Spiritual Warfare Conference this January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Father Wolfgang will be speaking along with Jesse Romero, Terry Barber as MC, and yours truly, talking about spiritual warfare and the family. Protect your family now. Go to vmp.org and register for this conference. Don't miss it. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world, absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And we're at verse 40 here in chapter 1 of Mark. And now we have the curing of a leper. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to the people. But he went out and began to talk freely about it 
and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. So this leper comes up, he wants to be healed. And notice something, Jesus doesn't say, okay, may the leprosy be gone. He reaches out and touches the man. This is a leper. You don't touch lepers. To touch a leper, you become unclean, and then you can't go into the temple or the synagogue, or you can't be with people. You have to, and no, he he touches him. He He's not afraid of the disease. He understands that he's God, but he does heal the man, but he doesn't just heal the man in an indifferent way. No. He reaches out and touches him. And it's interesting, even though Jesus heals him, then what does he say? Mm. Go show yourself to the priests. Yeah, so they can. And I remember once in a sermon, a priest was mentioning this, and he said, you see, yes, we can tell God we're sorry for our sins, but Jesus has set up the sacrament of confession. So we tell God we're sorry for our sins. We should immediately, if if we're conscious of having sinned, we should immediately turn to God and say, I'm sorry. But at the first possible opportunity, we should go show ourselves to the priest and offer the penance that's given to us to show us that we're really, truly repentant. So are you making the connection to the sacrament of confession. Yes. And even though we, we, and we understand, Mary, that we ask God's forgiveness and we can have, uh, you know, a, a, a contrite heart and we have true contrition and we don't have an opportunity to go to confession. That's possible to have, you know, that forgiven. But the normal means of the forgiveness of sin that God set up in John 20 is the confession. That's right. And, and I think I find it interesting that uh, today, and I'm just giving you my thought, that today it seems like the lines for the confessional <laughs> have, have kind of waned and they're not, get that, they're not that long. And I, and I see the connection between this and also people understanding what sin is. Right. So it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if people really understood right. the offenses that we commit yeah. Uh, to against God by the way we think, the way we do, our actions, it seems to me that there needs to be more catechesis teaching from the Bible about what sin does. It darkens the intellect. And so people many times don't even think that they need to go to confession or they'd be going. Right. It darkens the intellect and it weakens the will. And the interesting thing about sin is, now we don't have to go to confession if we haven't commit a mortal sin. You only are required to confess mortal sins. And yet, St. John Paul II encouraged what's called devotional confession. That is confessing your venial sins because (laughs) confession strengthens us against temptation. So we need all the strength we can get and God is the one who gives us the strength. And it's God who forgives our sins in the sacrament of confession Mm -hmm. through the ministry of the priest that he himself set up. And Jesus acts in and through that priest. Mm -hmm. When, When the priest raises his hands to absolve us, Bishop Sheen used the image of, Picture the blood dripping from the hand of Christ to come down upon you and wash you clean. It's the blood of Christ that washes you clean. And we do have to confess our mortal sins. But again, how can I know what a mortal sin is if I don't even know what serious moral evil is? And and if people aren't trained, how can they know? So, yeah, we've lost a sense of sin. And St. John Paul II prayed. He said, Lord, return to us a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints. Many saints went to confession on a frequent and regular basis, even though they weren't committing mortal sins. They did devotional confession. And just to help, the fathersofmercy.com have a an examination yes. of conscience online. So if someone's saying, well, I don't have an examination of conscience, well, go to the fathersofmercy.org or .com, either one, 
and you can look at their examination. It's very thorough. Right, and you you can also look at the Ten Commandments, you know. That's right. <laughs> and you can look at what Jesus said at the at the Last Judgment. You know, I was hungry, and you gave me to eat, or you didn't. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink, or you didn't. I was naked, and you clothed me, or you didn't. Are we living only for ourselves, or are we taking care of the needs of those around us? Good point. It's not just sins of commission, you know, your, your thoughts, words, and deeds, and your actions, but your omissions can be serious. For instance, if you, were to t- if you were, had someone in your care and you neglected them to the point of death, that's a serious omission. Of course. So, you know, our omissions are also something that, you know, the church added there after the Second Vatican Council the omissions to the confidier to remind us that, you know, we do sin sometimes by omitting to do a good that's in our power to do. And I'll give you a good example of one that's kind of common, I guess, unfortunately. And that is a good example as a father. I'm a father. If I would not give my kids good example, like not going to mass on time or blowing off the sacrament of confession, then I am sinning because I'm not doing what I should be doing, a sin of omission. Exactly. exactly. So dad... Act like a man and get down on your knees and start praying. The kids need to see that. Yes, they do. The children need to see their father praying, and they need to see both their parents praying and together. Mm-hmm. And the parents, parents, you need to take your children to confession, mm-hmm. and and don't be afraid of it. It's okay. not Jesus knows all of our sins. There's nothing that we've done that Jesus doesn't know. And you're not going to shock the priest. Believe me, he's heard it all. And the point is. It's there for you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny about sin. Sin is an offense against God who is real. And so the guilt that it produces is real guilt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it degrades us as human persons. God made us in his image yeah. as persons to be loved and to live as images of God. So when we sin, we degrade ourselves. Right. And that is offensive to God. God made us for union with himself, and it offends him when we reject him. But it's hurting us. You know, it doesn't take anything away from God's glory if we reject him, and it doesn't add to his glory if we accept him. But it changes something about us if we reject him or accept him. If we accept him, we become more and more like him, and we will live with him for all eternity, and we will find our complete fulfillment, true joy, absolute happiness. Whereas if we reject him, we're going to be miserable for all eternity, and we're going to find hell, literally. And we won't find fulfillment. We'll find eternal frustration. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to find the fulfillment for which he made us. He made us for himself, and he wants us to live in union with him. You know, it's amazing. God is so generous, mm, so amen. generous. And he, time and again, he'll never tell you no if you say you're sorry. If you're truly sorry for your sins, he will never say, I'm not going to forgive you. He doesn't come to that point. Well said, well said. I want to get back to the scripture. I'll just say this one thought, and that is, it's all about self-abandonment. In other words, giving yourself to Christ right. and the best ways through Mary. That's right. So, right. all right, Mary, let's continue with the Gospel of Mark. That perfect trust. Yep. So in chapter 2, we have Jesus returns to Capernaum. After some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room for them even about the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof tile above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic lay. Mm. And when Jesus saw their 
faith, he said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak thus? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question thus in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, take up your pallet and go home. And he rose and immediately took up his pallet and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Wow. And this, this is a fascinating passage. This paralytic apparently doesn't come on his own. Someone else brings him to Jesus. Right. And he's not even cured on the basis of his own faith. No, it's the others who he's bring. cured on the basis of someone else's faith because his friends went to such, ex- to such a, an extent and showed so much faith in bringing him. And then we can't get in the door? Fine. We're going to climb up on the roof and we're going to lower him in front of Jesus. And so he says, I forgive your sins. Now, the scribes and Pharisees didn't say anything out loud. Jesus is aware of what is in their hidden heart. What is, it's like, come on, guys. He's telling you, he's reading your thoughts, and it doesn't kind of get your attention. You know, he read their thoughts. I love it. Who can do that but God? You know, the faith of those men that brought him on the paramedic, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a um, stretcher. stretcher. Yeah, I think that is so awesome. And I think we can do the same thing because Our Lady of Fatima said, souls go to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. So you, our listener, my wife and I, all of us can intercede on the behalf of sinners. Yes, we can. Yes, and, we can. and that's a powerful thought it is powerful. In, our, in our world today because we know so many souls are living without God. Right, right. But if someone prays for them, and how many people, if you read the history of the church, were brought back to yeah. Christ after they had left him or because... Someone prayed and sacrificed for them. Amen. You know, and how many conversions have taken place because someone prayed and sacrificed for someone. Bishop Sheen said it. There's only one explanation why someone would come back. It has to be because someone was praying for them. Yeah. A mother, a father. And Mary, I'm going to ask, no, maybe maybe later on Friday when you're filling in for Jesse with me, we'll talk about a powerful conversion where a mother and mother of 11 ch- children was married to a Freemason. Yeah, I'm going to tease you. That, we'll tell that story on Friday. Yeah. And the prayers of 68 years of praying for her husband were fruitful at the end of his life. That is good. When we come back, we'll continue to read from the Gospel of Mark here at the uh, Bible with the Barbers. And if you have a question, well, you know, comment, you're welcome to call us at 888-526-2151. That's 888-526-2151. Don't forget, Mary Danielle's Bible study starts tonight. 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We'll be back with more. Hello, this is Terry Barber. I want to invite you to the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming January 11th and 12th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. It's going to be fantastic. 
I want to encourage you to sign up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. One of the speakers is sitting right next to me, Matthew Arnold. Matt, what are you going to be telling our folks about? I'm going to tell them about my journey into the Catholic Church because in my younger days, I was in the entertainment business. I was all involved with cult beliefs and practices like tarot cards and astrology and even channeling. And I had my own brush with the demonic. Wow. Not only Matt... But Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, popular priest, he's welcome back. And our friend Jesse Romero, my partner on the Terry and Jesse Show, will be there. Don't miss it. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget, but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We are back, the Bible with the Barbers. We enjoy doing this with you once a week. It's every Tuesday for those who just tuned in. Mary Danielle, uh, her background is uh, biblical studies. She's got a master's from John Paul II, the great university in San Diego. And uh, she does Bible studies around the Diocese of Los Angeles. As a matter of fact, the Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. will be at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And then on Thursdays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for those who don't want to go out at night. Mary Danielle, we're reading from the Gospel of Mark, and it's so fruitful. Continue, please. I love it. So we have this paralytic who's healed by Jesus, and of course Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the scribes and Pharisees are upset about that. Who yeah. can forgive sins but, but God, God alone? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If Jesus had said to him, stand up and walk, in essence, he's doing the same thing. Because for them, this man is paralyzed because he commits some sin. So if Jesus heals him, he's forgiving the sin, but he directly says, I forgive the sins. And so then as a proof that he has the power to forgive the sins, he goes ahead and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So he does the healing that is the proof that he has the power to forgive sins. And of course he is God. And again, if you think Jesus wasn't claiming Godhead here, or, you know, he's just somehow, I don't know how I can do these things. I can, excuse me. How can you be God and not know your God? He knew it. Mary, just a quick note. Some <laughs> of us have heard this, that Jesus didn't really know he was God, that somehow, you know, I've heard this from what I'll call liberal 
theologians and some people inside the church have bought into that. What would you say to someone that says to you, Mary, um, Jesus kind of grew in his knowledge of his Godhead. No, if he was God, he had to know he was God. You can't be God and not know that you are God. And his human nature, the church has declared solemnly that the human soul of Jesus Christ had the beatific vision from the first moment of its existence. Wow. So Jesus Christ saw God Mm -hmm. in heaven, the son, the the human nature, his human soul actually had the beatific vision. So he knew who he was and he knew every, and the church also teaches solemnly that Jesus knew everything pertinent to his mission as the Messiah, which is part of that is knowing his Godhead that, and he's there. What is he? He's there to deliver us from sin. Well, why? Because he's God made man and only God can take away the sins of man. Yeah. Obviously the the Pharisees and scribes are right. Only God has the power to forgive sins. And so Jesus has this power and he knows who he is. He knows what his mission is. And it's evident in the gospels. If you read the gospels at face value, it's extremely evident that he knows who he is and what his mission is. And the only way for you to get around that is to say that the gospels well, that, that's not really what happened. Yeah, well, we don't buy that. No. <laughs> no, that's not what the church teaches. That's that's, right. The church is very clear. What's in the Gospels is what Jesus really did and taught. And here at the Bible with the Barbers, we're thinking with the church. This is not your personal opinion. Right. We care less about your opinion. We want to know what Holy Mother Church teaches about the inspired Word of God. Right. When it comes to the faith, we need to follow the church. And that's God established a church. We wouldn't have the Bible right. if it weren't for the church. Well said. So, okay. So he, he picks up his mallet and he, mallet. He picks up his pallet and he goes out. <laughs> He's been cured physically and spiritually. Jesus has raised him from his illness, but also raised him from sin. Now, after this, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd gathered about him and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office and he said, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, this Levi here that Jesus is calling is Matthew, the tax collector, who would be the evangelist who writes the first gospel. Mm -hmm. And Jesus calls him and he follows him. And then so he goes to Matthew's house. And of course, again, the scribes and Pharisees, they had this. It's actually a very arrogant attitude that, you know, all the hoi polloi, those those miserable sinners down there. If we go near them or intermingle with them at all, somehow that's going to contaminate us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, no, we're I'm here to call sinners. I came to save those who were sick. If you're well, you don't need a doctor. No. But I'm the physician of souls and I've come to save. And if we only will admit our sins, Jesus will save us. But if we say, well, I'm I'm fine. I don't need I don't need 
you know, have my sins. I don't have any sins. You know, say, that, that song by Norman Greenbaum, you know, about I'm going up to the spirit in the sky, yeah. you know, once where I'm going to go when I die. Yeah. Well, what does he say? He says, I've never been a sinner. I never sinned because I got a friend in Jesus. Well, whoops, wait a minute. Time out. If you never sinned, how can you have a friend in Jesus? Because Jesus came to save sinners. That's right. If we can't admit that we're sinners and that we need him, we're cutting ourselves off from him. It was one of the reasons why Thomas Aquinas rejected the theological explanation of his day about the Immaculate Conception. Thomas believed in the ever sinlessness of Mary, but the theologians of his day said, well, the Immaculate Conception that Mary was ever sinless means that she didn't need to be redeemed. And Thomas was like, nope, psh, can't have it. She needed to be redeemed, not because she'd ever commit any personal sin or even been tainted by sin, but because if she didn't need to be redeemed, she wasn't connected to Christ. And she was pre-redeemed. She was pre-redeemed, which God didn't give Thomas that insight. No. Of all of his great insights, of all Thomas's <laughs> great, God didn't give him the insight to be able to explain how the Immaculate Conception took place. But he knew that if she didn't need to be redeemed, then she didn't need Christ. So if we say, I'm not a sinner, then we don't need Christ. And this was one of the problems the scribes and Pharisees had. Remember the... The Pharisee and the publican in the temple, you know, and the Pharaoh, oh, look at me, Lord, I'm so good, and I do all of this good stuff, and I'm so wonderful, and mm -hmm. oh, isn't that awesome? And the publican in the back, you know, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. And who went home justified? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, you know? We don't need to tell God how great we are. God loves us more than we love ourselves. <laughs> so understanding that today, the practicality of mercy and sin and forgiveness uh i call it fake mercy where someone can say that i'm receiving the mercy of god without asking for forgiveness and being repentive right. so how do you get mercy without being sorry for your sin i don't think the two mix you can't it, we have to be sorry for our sins and if we if you know if you don't feel sorry for your sin don't worry too much about it in terms of feeling mm -hmm. You can ask God for the feeling of sorrow, but most of all, ask him for the strength of the will to renounce evil. And sin is evil. God didn't make sin. Everything that God made was good. Sin is a rejection of what is good. We reject God and we reject his law. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some action items because we're at the end of the show. Oh, my. I know. We went by really Where'd fast. A couple go? minutes. <laughs> Mary, when we talk about sin in our life, we all have sin in our lives. Yes, and we do. How do we approach avoiding the near occasion of sin? What action items can we have to avoid living, I mean, living in, more, in, in mortal sin? In other words, how do we stop that from happening? What, what do you put in your life? Well, number one, examine your life. The unexamined life is not worth living. Mm -hmm. We need to look at our lives, look at the Ten Commandments and say, okay, Lord, how is my life not conforming to this? At the end of each day, stop and say, okay, was I loving toward my neighbor? Was I just thinking about myself or was I really considering the needs of other people? Did I break any of the commandments? And go through the Ten Commandments and ask yourself, examine yourself. Mm -hmm. And then when you make that exam and say, okay, well, what caused me to do that? You know, sometimes it's like, well, I went to the bar and got drunk. Well, why did you go to the bar and get drunk? You know, well, I got paid today and I had a lecture. Well, what were you supposed to do with that money? I was supposed to use that money to support my family, you know, or, or just whatever it is examine what led you to that sin and then try and take steps to avoid mm -hmm. those things that lead you in the direction of sin. One of the, add prayer to your life every day. You might find that you're not so tempted 
Good. So crowded out with goodness. Exactly. Virtue over vice. Exactly. Virtue over vice. Serve your neighbor. Was it Bishop Sheen always used to say? He said, I sought my God, but my God I could not see. I sought myself, but myself eluded me. I sought my neighbor and I found all three. (laughs) We need to serve our neighbor. So when you see someone in need, if it's within your power to help them with their physical need, help them. Maybe it's not within your power. Well, you know what? You can pray for them. That's right. You can pray for them. Every time you see a homeless person, say a prayer to their guardian angel. You know, and, and, send, and so the action item, examine your life. What are the steps that are leading you into sin? How can I avoid those steps? How can I change that? And I would also recommend that if it's been over 30 days since you've been to confession, that's too long. It is too long. So we need to go on a regular basis. And that is what I just said about crowding out bad things in your life with good things, filling in a practice of going to confession at least once a month. Yes, it's the, church, um, the church counsels at least once a month. And again, Pope John Paul II was very adamant about the fact that devotional confession is legitimate and absolutely something that we should practice. And that means even if you haven't committed a moral sin, you should be going to confession at least once a month. I'm going to raise my hand and say, Mary Danielle, is there any homework until next Tuesday? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's read on in the Gospel of Mark. Um, continue on reading chapter 2 and chapter 3 and, mm-hmm. and read it slowly. When you read it, read it as though you want this to sink in and have an effect and make a change in your life that it will actually get to you. Mm. I remember a professor when I was in college, and he, he, he had a, a student come to him, and he said, this student gave me the greatest compliment I ever got. He said, I'm dropping your class, Father. <laughs> and, and Father said, why are you dropping my class? And he said, because the book is getting to me. Oh, my gosh. Unfortunately, the student also said, but I don't want the book to get to me. But Father was like, that's what I want. I want the book I want the word of God to get to you. I want you to understand that God is speaking to you and he has a message for you right now today about his love for you and how much love he wants to pour out on you and the glory and the goodness and the beauty that he wants to share with you. And so we want the book to get to you. And I want the book to get to me. And uh, so I'm not dropping father's class. <laughs> Wonderful. Mary Danielle, both of us are going to be at on the 8th of December at... St. Peter and Paul in Wilmington, California for total consecration to Mary and for California. Many people are going to be speaking on the value of total consecration. Both of us 40 years ago made our own consecration to Mary. So we'd love to see our listeners there. St. Peter and Paul in Wilmington, California. If you're in Southern California, love to see you there. And man, I hear the music. That means we're, we're done for oh, this quick hour on the Gospel of Mark. But we promise when we come back on Tuesday, God willing... Allow us to continue reading from the Gospel of Mark. I want to thank you, yes, our listeners, who help us put out Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Couldn't do it without you. And again, this is Giving Tuesday. If you want to make a donation on the Giving Tuesday day, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. This is turning off the lights. The uh, barber with the, bi- the, is it the Bible with the barbers. I can't get that straight yet. So may God richly bless you and your family. God love you. You have a voice in your head. How did he know that? The voice just said, because we all do. <laughs> and the words you speak to yourself matter a lot. Our words shape our self-perception. 
Our self-perception shapes our actions. Our actions shape our lives. Words are at the foundation of our whole lives. What words do you speak to yourself? The book of Revelations calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. He wants us to amplify the negative words in our heads. God reveals the truth about who we are. But he didn't do that so you wait for me to preach it to you. Preach it to yourself. When the voice within starts saying, I'm weak, used, washed up, not pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, I'll never be enough. Replace that with words like, I'm blessed, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful. I am a son or a daughter of the King of Heaven. I don't mean that figuratively, I mean it literally. Look in the mirror and preach the truth to yourself. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.